Well, Melissa, thank you so much for being here. I'm really thrilled that you're on our podcast today. Thank you, Stacy. I appreciate being here. Thanks for inviting me. Now, you have a website called Filled with Gold, yes. and you have an amazing story of resilience. Can you give us a little bit of that story in a nutshell? Sure. In 2005, my husband Dave and I, we were struggling with infertility issues and we just decided, yes, we want to expand our family and we are going to adopt kids, older kids, through the uh, Oregon foster care system. And since we were kind of up there, I was almost 40 and Dave was, I think he was 41 at the time, we decided to adopt older kids. So these two little boys, Brad and Bryce, their brothers, they came into our lives in 2005. So we adopted them. And in 2007, we were living in Portland at the time, but we decided to move to the eastern part of Oregon to a smaller community so that we could raise our kids in a smaller smaller town. And then Dave was also a teacher, so he taught at the same school as the boys. So there we were, the four of us, just in our tight little unit in this small town and kind of living life, camping, fishing. Boys were playing sports, you know, just a lot of activities, playing in the snow. 2011, one Saturday morning in January, Dave just did not wake up. He, he died in his sleep. And, you know, we were devastated. Obviously, it was, you know, the worst time in our lives. And at that point, about six months after Dave died, I decided to move us back to Portland to start the process of, you know, moving through grief and healing, because that is where my support system was. My family, my friends were in Portland. So that's my story. That's the filled with gold, a widow's story. It starts from day one, the day we first met our boys up till now. So, wow, yeah. It's life has so many ups and downs. So I'm sure that the adoption process was tough, but then thrilling and then living life. And then this happened with your husband. Can I ask what happened? He, the official report, the medical examiner report was that he had sleep apnea and a respiratory illness. I, for whatever reason, I, they ask you so many questions when you're in shock And one of the questions was, or one of the questions I had is, why not do an autopsy? And we lived in this small town, and then they they were talking about, you know, shipping his body to another city to do this because they didn't have the resources. And I was like, oh, no, that just sounds so strange. And then the fact that there's no genetic material shared with my sons just to I thought, well, maybe if there was some kind of condition that would be passed on to them, then of course I would need to get an autopsy. But because there was no blood shared, no bloodline, I just decided, you know, and that was like the day after he died. I wasn't, you know, right now I do kind of regret that I don't know for sure. But I did visit a a couple psychics just to, I was trying to get some answers, even though I'm kind of a skeptical person. And they indicated that it was something to do with his heart. And then I also did find out that there is kind of a family condition in his family that some kind of a heart 
condition. So all his brothers and sisters got checked out. So even though it just basically, he stopped breathing, his heart stopped beating and it happened very quickly. The medical examiner assured me that there was nothing that I could do, even though I felt just a ton of guilt around, you know, not being able to, to, you know, save right. him or be you there. You weren't able so. to take action, which is tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So you moved then back to Portland, correct? And you yes. began the grieving process. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, the first six months, I was just in complete shock. I felt like a zombie. I was so numb. And even in kind of this weird way, I knew that Dave was dead. But in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, he's just on a really long vacation, <laughs> you know, or like he's, he's going to come back. And, you know, your mind plays tricks on you. But I just really was not dealing with what had happened for probably the first six months. So when I got to Portland, it actually scared me because I was so numb. I felt nothing. I felt absolutely nothing. And that really scared me. So I decided that I made a choice, basically, to I need to start digging in. I need to gather resources, find books, find people, anybody who or anything that could help me understand what had just happened and help my boys understand because they prior to, you know, us adopting them, they they went through their own traumatic, you know, challenges of being torn from their biological family. And so there's like multiple challenges and, and traumas that they were dealing with. So I just realized that if I'm not doing okay, I can't take care of my kids and they were my number one priority. So I really dug in at that point, kind of month six. Right. And you you told me you engaged with a grief counselor. Was it hard to Mm -hmm. admit you needed a grief counselor or admit that you had to go to a counselor? Oh, sure. Because that that was just not part of my Mm -hmm. MO, you know, before Dave died. I was 44 and I think I had seen a counselor here and there, like after my dad died. And, but really that was just not something that I did. And I always was kind of like, I was like, eh, you know, I'm too cool for this. I can handle this myself, or I can handle anything right. that comes my way. I don't need help from anybody. I, I never liked to show that I needed help because I considered that like a sign of weakness, which I know that it's not. When I engaged with her, my grief counselor, she really, really helped me to just kind of make sense of and work through the grief and kind of understand what I was going through. And she also kind of held a mirror up to me, like, you know what, you're, this is normal. I mean, even though this is painful and, but this is part of the experience you're going to have to go through to get to the other side. And everything that you're feeling and saying to me is normal. And really that was so, I just needed that somebody to tell me like, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. You're, you're doing the work and you will, you know, be different after this. But, and, you know, there are gifts, which is kind of a hard concept when you've just lost your partner and the love of your life. There are some gifts in this. I'm different now. I'm not the same person that I was, you know, before Dave died. And even when you were engaging the grief counselor, you were still kind of grasping at all kinds of other things to get through this. Can you name some of those things that you did or you sought out? 
Oh, sure. I did. I did some stuff that was like people around me might think is a little nutty. But I just again, I made a choice like I am going to do this work. I am going to move through this and I'm going to feel the pain. And, and as I'm feeling the pain, I also need to make myself feel better. And so I just started listening to my gut, my inner wisdom, I guess you would call that. And Anything, I just told myself, anything that really resonates with you that you think will make yourself feel better, Melissa, you go do that. So I would just, like, I did tap dancing, which was so much fun because I could turn, I could turn my head off, you know, and just all I had to do was like be able not to fall down <laughs> on my butt and listen to the music and the rhythm. And so it was, it was a nice break because I didn't think of anything other than. I was really present, basically, when I was doing that yoga, Pilates, meditation, acupuncture, just massage. I did a lot, a lot of self-care. And I just instinctively just kind of knew that I had to, the, the pain and the grief really showed up in my body. I would feel it physically. So I knew that I kind of had to work that out somehow. So I exercised a lot. Massage was super, super helpful particularly just someone else touching me, you know, in a, in a safe way. I didn't have anybody touching me anymore. I lost my partner who gave me hugs and, you know, and so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have somebody touch me in a safe, healthy way, but it just felt really good and was able to work some of that, st- that stuff out. And then how long did it take for you to, and I'm sure you're still going through that process, how long did it take for you to get through the bulk of that grief? Yeah, I would say about a year and a half, I was actively grieving. It softens. Grief does soften. And I do have my moments. Even it's almost seven years later, it'll be seven years in January. And there are moments, there's a song or there'll be a smell or something that'll just take me, you know, back into, you know, into that grief. But it's very, you know, it's kind of intermittent. But yeah, it's about 18 months of just actively being in that space that it's a painful space, but it was a huge, huge period of growth for me. What was happening to everyone around you? Were they thinking, oh, good for you. You're, you know, you're getting into this, you know, Pilates and tap dancing, or were they thinking, wow, she's just, Mm -hmm. she's gone off her rocker or. (laughs) Um, I don't know if there's, I got teased, you know, a little bit, but you know, in a, in a mm-hmm. loving kind of way, you know how family, just, you know, right. they, can, they can tease you and stuff. But everybody was really supportive. And a lot of times I wouldn't tell people what I was doing. I would just, you know, go do it. I was really kind of, I really had this, you know, it's really nobody's business what I'm doing. It's I am, nobody's walking in my shoes. Nobody's on this journey with me. I'm doing it myself. So I really, really, for the first time, time in my life, I really tapped into my inner wisdom. I stepped into my power and I started just trusting what my heart, my mind, and my body were telling me. So I really kind of had this, you know, that's fine. Your opinions are fine. I'm not taking that on, you know. So and it's the first time in my life at 44 or 45, you know. I guess I'm curious, why, how did you come to start trusting your gut when so many people going through grief just turn in on themselves and just curl up in a ball and not live life and you took action? What was the difference there? How did you do that? 
Well, I had these two boys, my two sons, who were really relying on me. And, you know, a lot of times in the beginning, particularly, yeah, I wanted to stay in bed and I wanted to pull the covers up over my head and not, you know, not get out. But, you know, I knew I had this duty, even those six months when I, those first six months when I was really just so numb, I got business done. I got you know, food on the table. I wore, I went back to work. I got them to school. I went to their sporting events. I, you know, went grocery shop. I did all that stuff. I don't remember it. <laughs> I mean, to look back on that time, I really don't have a lot of memory of that time. But at that six month period when I was like, I feel nothing. This is scary. I made a conscious choice to, you know, dive into the abyss. I need to deal with this. I have to deal with this or, you know, I may not be in this world for for very long. It's really unhealthy to stuff and shut down all that emotion. And tell me, you kind of briefly mentioned some of the changes you've made and, and you've become a stronger person and a different person. Tell me about that. I'm different now. Dave and I were really good partners. He was my best friend. We had been in each other's lives for 17 years. And our particular dynamic was one that I kind of always had my whole life, is I would put others' needs before my own, or I would second guess you know, my wants, desires, and needs. And I did that all on my own. Dave didn't ask me to do that, but that's how things worked in our, in our partnership. I kind of deferred to, and in the back of my mind, maybe always thought that, oh, well, he, he kind of knows best or he knows better than, than I. I guess it kind of worked for us and we did have a good partnership, but with the person I am now, who I stepped into my own power and said, hey, this is going to be my way now. I am trusting myself. I trust my decisions. I stand by my decisions. I know what's best now. And I speak up now. And I just, it's a hard concept. It's been hard for me to work through. But the person I am now would probably not work with him, would not work with Dave then. And I'm remarried. I have a a partnership now, a, a wonderful man named Sean. And the Melissa, you know, back, you know, seven years ago, pre, you know, post seven years ago, would not really work with Sean now. So he's, Dave was the partner for who I was then, and Sean is the partner for who I am now. So good can come of that. Was it awkward for you to change or, you know, to experiment with that new Melissa? Yeah, I mean, I felt like a kind of like a newborn or, you know, almost (laughs) not like a, it's hard to explain. And it was really hard to, it was difficult to even say that out loud. Like, I love Dave and I'm so sad that it took his death for me to grow, you know, this post-traumatic growth that I went through, but it is what it is. You know, this is where I am now. And you know, I felt like I was on shaky ground. It didn't happen overnight that I'm like, oh, I'm this, you know, super woman, Melissa, and I've got this all under control. I, you know, I don't have it under control. But 
Yeah, I mean, I had to kind of test it out. And I still do. I still, you know, kind of go back to some of those old patterns, you know, that are so easy to go back to. But really, it just if it if it doesn't feel right in my body, if it doesn't, if something is not feeling right, um, I will speak up Mm -hmm. now. And it might be kind of awkward and maybe painful, but it just I feel just really empowered. I wish we all learned that earlier without the heartache. But if, you know, we could all speak up for ourselves, that's a huge problem mm-hmm. for so many people. You Then you wrote the book filled with gold. Tell me about writing the book and why and what you do now, which I think is just fabulous. Oh, yeah. I uh, About two years ago, I wanted to just write down what had transpired because it's like when I would tell people, they'd be like, well, oh my God, you should write a book. That's just crazy. All the stuff that, that you've experienced and gone through. So, and also I wrote the book that I wanted to read when I was searching for resources and books. And, and I just, I really had a hard time finding anything that really resonated with me. There was a couple really great books that that really helped me out. And honestly, there weren't a ton of blogs around seven years ago. Now there seems to be a lot, a lot of talk around, you know, widowhood and young widowhood and grieving. But back then I just really had a hard time finding something. So I thought, well, I'm just going to write a book, just start writing this down. And this is what I wanted to read. This is what I wanted to get my hands on when I was going through everything that I was going through in the hopes that there's somebody out there that might read this or hear my story and find some, you know, comfort or hope or inspiration of, you know, about my story. So tell me what's in the book. Are there resources or strategies that other widows can use? I don't have, I do have, I list some of the books that that I found were super helpful to me. And then I talk about Camp Widow, which is through Soaring Spirits International. They have, I think they have four camps now, but I went to the one in San Diego and I was with, I spent a weekend with about 300 other widows, average age 47. And, you know, I found my tribe (laughs) and... Yeah, it was pretty, pretty amazing experience. And that I did that about eight months out, eight months after Dave died. And so that's listed as a, as, you know, something that was so, so helpful for me to do, just to know that I wasn't alone um, in this experience. And I came out with some really good, really good friends and great resources from that. You know, something that I touch on quite a bit in the book is just the self-care. You have to take care of yourself. You really, really have to be so kind to yourself. It's so easy to get caught up in, you know, the the, the negative self-talk, the, the, the pain, the sadness, the loneliness. And when that's going on, oh my gosh, you have to take care of yourself. You really do. I mean, just physically, mentally, cut yourself a break. And that's kind of scattered throughout the book is just self-care, self-care. I can't right. say it Enough, anymore. yeah. <laughs> really take yeah. care, yeah. And so now you coach other widows, is that correct? Yes. Wow. Yes. I'm a certified widow coach and a certified professional coach. I really kind of wish I had a coach. Grief counseling is great in and of itself, but it deals with kind of the past and, you know, what what had happened. And it did help me for about a year. And I think I stayed with it a little too long. I think at the point where I was 
kind of done actively grieving, I wish I had a coach to just kind of ask me, hey, you know, what do you want your life to look like, you know, going towards the future? Because all the dreams and and plans that I had with Dave, the day he died, you know, the screen went black. There was no dreams and plans were done. I mean, there was there was nothing. And at the point where I had taken so much energy to, to grieve and I was coming out and, you know, I was moving through it, but I was, I, I think I really needed some help in kind of figuring out, you know, what are my values? What are my strengths? What do I, how do I envision my life and my boy's life and, and the future to be? And then once I envision that, what kind of action steps do I need to be taking? And I just kind of stumbled along for, for several years. And I think I would have maybe done it done it a little quicker if I had somebody to kind of guide me. And so that's what I do for other widows. That's amazing. And now you're you're turning around and helping other people with that. How do people find you? They just uh-huh. search online uh-huh. for, you know, I know you have a website, but how, how does one find widow counseling? Well, when I was looking about oh, eight months or so ago, there was only one that I found. And so I got training through her while I was um, getting my certified professional coaching training through the International Coaching Federation. So, And that's not easy to do. Right. So I was that's tough. doing it both at, and also working a full-time job. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have my website. I launched the book. I'm doing a lot of promotion around around my book, and I have a Facebook page that's getting quite a few hits. So, oh, great. you know, when I was doing my Googling back, you know, seven years ago, I would just type in Young Widow or Widow Resources, and not a ton came up. So, you know, the, I don't know how else people can find me doing podcasts, interviews, you right. know, <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. I'm speaking, doing a few speaking engagements. I'd like to do more of that. So what advice would you give to someone who has just become a widow mm-hmm. or who is maybe go through this in the future? What, what advice would you give them now that you've gone through that yourself? I would... You really need to feel your feelings. The, the, the more you put that off, you have to feel your feelings so that you can release release them. You're, there's going to be mom, you know, moments of sadness, loneliness, pain, and you just can't shut that off. You can't shut it down and stuff it because grief will find you. Grief, <laughs> and it, it will come and find you. It will make you deal with it. So, yes, I would just, as painful as that is, you're not always going to feel that way. You're not always going to feel that intense sadness, that intense loneliness, that intense, you know, pain. So that would be one thing. Finding a good grief counselor uh, or a or a coach would be really really helpful. And then also just you know taking care of yourself, just practicing self care. You know, I just. I would get like pedicures a lot just so that somebody would be touching my feet and just it felt good. So anything that resonates with you that feels good, you know, in a in a healthy way, I would encourage you to do that and you know, like soaring 
Soaring Spirits Lost Foundation, who puts on Camp Widow, they, they have a ton of resources. If you have children, like I was raising my two sons, the Dougie Center in Portland, Oregon, is an internationally known center that helps children who are going through grief. And they also help the parents. That's how I found my grief counselor. So I mentioned Dougie Center in the book as well. So. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and hard-earned, hard-won wisdom, I would say, but appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. And they can, our listeners can find you on your website, yes. filledwithgold.org, Correct. right? Mm-hmm. Your Facebook page, which is called what? Filled with Gold. Filled with mm-hmm. gold on Facebook. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Well, fabulous. Thank you so much for all you're doing. Okay. And thank you for what you do, because I think sharing stories, you have to go big. I mean, be raw, be authentic, you know, contribute and be of service, you know, with your stories, because, you know, guaranteed there's somebody out there that just needs to hear hear anyone's message around their story and just so they don't feel so alone. They, they know that there's hope. There's hope out there. So true. So true. 